What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike. Today, I am joined by my co-host and wife, Kelsey. How are you? I'm great. And we're going to be talking about books that you think should be turned into movies, which I am curious to see your list. In the movie review, we'll be talking about Vengeance, which is a new movie by BJ Novak, which you said is one of your favorites out of the entire year. Yes, I did. Bold statement. I don't know if I still stand by it. We'll see. We'll see when we get to the review. And then in the trailer park, we'll talk about the new Shazam movie coming from DC later this year. Appreciate you for listening every single week, for being subscribed. Movie crew, you already know what this is. Let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. So about a month ago, we did a review of Where the Crawdads Sing, and you said that that movie was actually better than the book. And you read a lot of books. How many books do you think you've read so far this year? Let everybody know. I can tell you exactly how many. It is 41, and my goal is 75. That is a lot of books. You can probably read, if you tried really hard, how quickly could you finish a book? A day. That's fast. For me, the complete opposite. I probably read half a book a year. I started a book over vacation and I'm about 60% done, still haven't picked it back up. And then I'm probably going to hop to another book because that's kind of how I read books. It is how you read books. So since you've read so many, we thought and had that idea last time that you should come up with the list of books that you think would be great movies. I think there's only one of these maybe in development, but all these seem like they would be great movies. So what is first on your list? First is the one that actually is in development. It is Beneath a Scarlet Sky by Mark Sullivan. And I'll just read the synopsis for all of these. But this one says, Pino Lella wants nothing to do with the war or the Nazis. He's a normal Italian teenager obsessed with music, food and girls. But his days of innocence are numbered when his family home in Milan is destroyed by Allied bombs. Pino joins an underground railroad, helping Jews escape over the Alps and falls for Anna, a beautiful widow six years his senior. In an attempt to protect him, Pino's parents force him to enlist as a German soldier, a move they think will keep him out of combat. But after Pino is injured, he is recruited at the tender age of 18 to become the personal driver for Adolf Hitler's left hand in Italy, General Hans Layers, one of the Third Reich's most mysterious and powerful commanders. Now with the opportunity to spy for the Allies inside the German high command, Pino endures the horrors of the war and the Nazi occupation by fighting in secret, his courage bolstered by his love for Anna and for the life he dreams they will one day share. Sounds pretty intense. It's a true story. Okay. And the author went to Italy and like met with Pino and walked through all of the places where the story takes place and got like his account. And I think there's only, he even says in the author's note, there's like a few things like details that Pino can't remember. So Mark Sullivan did the research, filled him into the best of his ability, but it's a true story like overall and all of the major events of Pino's life. What makes you think that this would make a good movie? What cinematic quality did it have when you were reading it? I mean, it's got everything. It's just got like emotion, 
I don't know how to describe like how good it was. Like this is what kicked off my love of like reading World War II books earlier this year. I love a World War II movie. It is. And I think just knowing like that it's a true story. And obviously like most war movies are, they're based on the war, which is a factual yeah. true story. <laughs> but this one being so like specific about one person um, and so interesting of how he like kind of infiltrated and was able to get inside and get inside information. I always find anytime a movie depicts Hitler, I find it very fascinating. He was a terrible human and it seems like so long ago that I don't really have an image of him in my head and seeing it on film, it just adds like a really sinister quality to a movie, whether it be like Inglorious Bastards. It's just really weird to see. Yeah. And it's such an intense character to portray that I do think this sounds like a really good movie and it is in development now. I haven't seen anything pushed along in like four or five years. Tom Holland is said to star in this movie. I haven't seen that he's still going to. I think after about three or four years of a movie getting pushed and pushed of being made, he probably won't be anymore. He would be, he would be so really- good in it. Like that's, I read the book picturing him as Pino. And so like now I have Tom Holland in my head. How old is the character in the book? Does it say? Yeah, he was a normal Italian teenager. Tom Holland still playing Spider-Man. He could. Yeah, he was injured. And then at the age of 18, he was the personal driver. So he could still pull that off. Absolutely. Hopefully he's still attached to the project because this does sound like it could be a really good movie. And he is really kind of leaning into that dramatic stage of his career where I don't really just associate Tom Holland with Spider-Man. No. Like, I love him as Spider-Man, and he's a great Avenger, but he's done other movies that are action-based, that are drama-based. He wasn't, it wasn't Cherry. He wasn't Cherry. It was Cherry that he was in? Yeah. Okay. And he shows that he has some range, especially in The Devil All the Time. I didn't watch that one. Well, he's very, like, dramatic and intense in that. He can show that he can play an American accent. He can do... Really a lot of things early in his career. So this almost sounds like a, the right director was attached to it. If the story was closely follows what the book does. I mean, this could be like an Oscar contender, it sounds like. I would love to see it on screen. All right, what do you have next? I have a book called, we're switching gears. We're going to like a drama. Okay. Also, I should add, the only things I really have read lately are like, I go back and forth between like a World War II book and a thriller this year. That's just like my genre with a couple memoirs, biographies. So we're on to a drama. Which is interesting going back to that, that you really love reading about World War II, but you don't like war movies. I don't like the goriness of them. Which is typically what war movies Like I liked 1917. It was a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Hacksaw Ridge was a little too bloody for me. Didn't v- watch the trailer. Very, a lot of bloodshed in that movie. So yeah, I just can't handle like the gory, like limbs everywhere. That just like stresses me out. Yeah, I like the stressfulness of a war movie. But reading, I can dissociate like the, there's not the goriness as much in a book. And it sounds like with Beneath Scarlet Sky, it's a little more character base less it's happens during world war ii but it's not like in the battles all that so yeah that sounds like something i would really want to see but next movie okay so the push by ashley audrain and the synopsis is blythe connor is determined that she will be the warm comforting mother to her new baby violet that she herself never had but in the thick of motherhood's exhausting early days blythe becomes convinced that something is wrong with her daughter she doesn't behave like most children do Or is it all in Blythe's head? Her husband, Fox, says she's imagining things. The more Fox dismisses her fears, the more Blythe begins to question her own sanity, and the more we begin to question what Blythe is telling us about her life as well. Then their son, Sam, is born, and with him, Blythe has the most blissful connection she'd always imagined with her child. Even Violet seems to love her little brother. But when life as they know it is changed in an instant, the devastating fallout forces Blythe to face the truth. Interesting. So what makes you think this one would be a good movie? Oh, it's such a good thriller. And the twist is so good. It's very, her daughter is pretty sinister. Like Her daughter's not, not great child. Okay. It gives me like kind of Gone Girl vibes. Okay. Like in the creepy thriller kind of way. So are you thinking of somebody like an Amy Adams in this role? I think Amy Adams would be good. She does a good thriller. Like I could see her in that. We were watching her in Nocturnal Animals recently. Yeah, I think she would be really good in it. What about the husband in this book? What kind of character is he? He 
dismisses like all of the wife's concerns. So like not very attentive to like her concerns. And she's like, everything's fine. Who could you see playing the husband? Give me Amy Adams and Ryan Gosling together. That sounds like a movie I would want to see. Yeah. Ryan Gosling over Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Gosling just does a better drama. He does. And I I recently posted that I find I like Ryan Gosling more than I like Ryan Reynolds. I think the only reason I compare them to is because they're both named Ryan. They're both very big movie stars. And they're both Canadian. That is true. And they play very different characters in very different movies. But I feel like Ryan Gosling has more of the range. Yeah. Where... He doesn't really dip that much into comedy, but when it comes into his dramatic roles, he can do just a straight on drama. He can do the action. And then if he really wants to, he can do a movie like The Good Guys, where he's a little bit comedy, and a little bit action. I feel like Ryan Reynolds kind of does the same character all the time. I mean, Ryan Gosling in Gray Man yeah. was drama and like a witty comedy. Yeah, it's like a like- sarcastic, like a dry humor, which I think is his niche. Whereas like Ryan Reynolds goes for like free guy, which is like meant to get the LOLs. Which he does really well. He does. I just feel like he does it again and again. But if you're so good at something, why would you deny everybody that of what people love you for? Yeah, Ryan Reynolds is, I mean, he's the funniest person on like when he and Blake Lively troll each other mm-hmm. on social media. I live for it. Which one do you think is more attractive, Ryan Reynolds or Ryan Gosling? Oh, that was a really hard question. For me, if I had to pick one, I would go with Ryan Gosling. I think I go Gosling. I think about like the scenes and like Crazy Stupid Love, The Notebook. Yeah, hands down Gosling. And in The Gray Man. (laughs) Didn't have to think about that one too hard. But yeah, in this story with this book into a movie, if you put Ryan Gosling and Amy Adams together, I think that's a pretty good pairing. Yeah, back to the book. Read it. You will gasp. It's so good. And I will say this actually, I think I read this one early 2021 and it stuck with me in my head. So that's that's not even I've read one like this year in 2022. What do you have next on your list? I have a memoir called Tell Me Everything by Erica Krause. Okay. Um, So the synopsis, Erica Krause has one of those faces. I don't know why I'm telling you this. People say spilling confessions. In fall 2002, Erica accepts a new contract job investigating lawsuits as a private investigator. The role seems perfect for her, but she quickly realizes she has no idea what she's doing. Then a lawyer named Grayson assigns her to investigate a sexual assault, a college student who was attacked by football players and recruits at a party a year earlier. Erica knows she should turn the assignment down. Her own history with sexual violence makes it all too personal, but she takes the job anyway, inspired by Grayson's conviction that he could help change things forever, and maybe she could too. Over the next five years, Erica learns everything she can about PI technique tracking down witnesses and investigating a culture of sexual assault and harassment ingrained in the university's football program. But as the investigation grows into a national scandal and a historic civil rights case, Erica finds herself increasingly consumed. When the case and her life both implode at the same time, Erica must figure out how to help win the case without losing herself. So a memoir. Yes. So a true story. Correct. Why do you think this one would be a good movie? It gives me Aaron Brockovich vibes, so I'm gonna I'm gonna nominate Julia Roberts to play Erica. Oh, that's an interesting casting there. One of your favorite movies. Love it. So it's like court movie. Yeah, I mean it's kind of follows what Aaron Brockovich like. She wasn't a lawyer. She gets mm-hmm. this job, and then starts finding all of the cases. Aaron Brockovich of like the medical problems associated with the water there. She ends up helping win the case. Same here. Erica's not a lawyer. She's not even a PI, but she has one of those, yeah, one of those faces where people just kind of start telling her things they're comfortable with her. And she starts using that to her advantage and becomes a PI and helps take down this program, which I don't think that's a spoiler. It's a memoir and you can read about the case, but it's how she does it along the way. And like all the obstacles that they had to get to and how it changed things for college campuses. Some interesting things I see from this synopsis in this book of how it would be a good movie. First of all, it takes place in 2002, which I think people are looking at 2000s culture right now to find movies and stories to tell. I think that's kind of a popular thing of just people reliving a little bit of nostalgia. And I feel like the stuff from the 2000s is slowly creeping back over the 90s stuff. And then, I mean, in my head, I just have Julie Roberts now and she's not doing a whole lot of movies. I think she has like one 
Netflix movie coming out pretty soon. She has a movie with George Clooney coming out in October. Okay. But aside from that, she takes maybe one, two movies every five years. So if you could attach this to somebody like her, I could see this movie getting made. And I haven't really seen a whole lot of good courtroom style dramas or just legal dramas that something like this would be perfect for. I think to like, we saw bombshell a couple years ago. You didn't love the way that it was portrayed. You didn't think it was the best story of like the me too movement, Fox news. I think this one could be done really well Mm -hmm. and add to that genre of starting to really listen to women and their stories and their experiences. So I think if this one was well done, put Julia Roberts in it. And I think it's gonna be great. Yeah. Bombshell was an interesting movie because what was the actual story of it? I loved it was the way and the style of that movie that I felt like it didn't do the story justice. And I also thought Margot Robbie was going to be a bigger part in that movie. She deserved more yeah. uh, screen time in that movie. You fell asleep during that movie. I did. I'll admit to that. And it was also a weird thing to be entertained by. Agreed. Like it covers such an awful thing that happened and you're kind of rating it by like how entertaining it is, which it shouldn't be have like this weird entertainment value. It's just a I don't know really necessarily bad. that it's the entertainment value, but like the portrayal of the mm-hmm. story, does it keep you engaged and do the story justice? So I don't know if it's as much the entertainment as well as I don't think it did the story justice. Yeah. I just felt weird saying that I didn't like that movie. Like this, I wasn't discrediting like what it was about or anything like that. I think you didn't like how it was done. I don't think that discredits it. Yeah. I just feel like when you have like such a powerful like rights to a movie to make something like that, it could have been better. Agreed. So that's how I feel about Bombshell. But yeah, I think this one also sounds like a pretty good one. You're doing really good here. Thank you. What do you have next for us? I have Breathless by Amy McCullough, and it is journalist Cecily Wong is in over her head. She's come to Manislu, the eighth highest peak in the world, to interview internationally famous mountaineer Charles McVeigh on the last leg of a record-breaking series of summits. She's given up everything for this story. Her boyfriend, her life savings, the peace she's made with her climbing failures in the past, but it's a career-making opportunity. It could finally put her life back on track. But when one climber dies in what everyone else assumes is a freak accident, she fears their expedition is in danger. And by the time a second climber dies, it's too late to turn back. Stranded on a mountain in one of the most remote regions of the world, she'll have to battle more than the elements in a harrowing fight for survival against a killer who is picking them off one by one. This sounds good. I'm into this one. It was a really good book. So it's a survival type movie. Yeah, on a mountain. I mean, that sounds like a documentary that I would be into, but the fact that it's fictional, I mean, I can only imagine the places that this movie could go of trying to survive while somebody's trying to kill you and then just the harsh environment. Who could you see playing the lead in this movie? I'm going to go with Jamie Chung. I think she's super talented. I haven't seen her in a big movie like this in a while, and I think she could just do like the action intensity. Like I think she could play it so well. Is there a lot of physical things that happen throughout the movie or throughout the book? And they're literally climbing like the, what was it? The eighth highest mountain in the world. Sounds pretty intense. Yeah. So I would, I would go Jamie Chung. I love her. Out of both of us, who do you think could survive on a mountain for longer? Okay. Well, I have actually, fun fact, climbed a 14er in Colorado, which is a 14,000 foot mountain, which I know it's not Everest, but um, that was an experience. Without any training. <laughs> and without any acclimation. And the only thing you had to eat was a cliff bar and one liter of Evian <laughs> and, and it made it to the top and the top might I add is what's called a class three scramble in which you were on your hands and knees at the top of the mountain. And I'm in like hokas, not even hiking boots. I am in hoka running shoes. <laughs> it was not my choice. This was part of a, a trip that I went on and someone else planned that. And I didn't really understand what we were getting ourselves into. Or I probably would have said, Hey, Hey guys, I'm not going to do that. My favorite part of that entire story is you guys left behind one of the members of the group It's not great. because it was so intense. We're like, we'll she, go on without you. She was like, Hey guys, I'm going to turn around. We should have sent someone back with her. I should have gone back with her, but we were all like, okay. She was like, I can make it down by myself. No, she had like altitude sickness. It was it was not a good experience. No one come at me for that. But I have climbed a 14,000 foot mountain. So with your experience here, you're saying you would also be qualified to play the role in this movie. Yeah. Cast me. There we go. Casting Kelsey. All right. What do you have next on your list? I have one that I just recently read, kind of a sci-fi type book. It's called The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. And the synopsis says, it seems like any other day you wake up, pour a cup of coffee and head out. 
But today, when you open your front door, waiting for you is a small wooden box. This box holds your fate inside. The answer to the exact number of years you will live. Some From suburban doorsteps to desert tents, every person on every continent receives the same box. In an instant, the world is thrust into a collective frenzy. Where did these boxes come from? What do they mean? Is there truth to what they promise? As society comes together and pulls apart, everyone faces the same shocking choice. Do they wish to know how long they'll live? And if so, what will they do with that knowledge? Now, this is one of the coolest books you've told me about of all the books you've read. It was amazing. And I think what sets this apart is the trope of what are you going to do with your life if you knew you were going to die can be overdone. Mm -hmm. It can be dramatic. It's like kind of gives me, it reminds me of like Tim McGraw live like you were dying, but in a way where I think people are just like, I'm going to live in this fantasy world. But this one people are faced with, they know when they're going to die. They don't know the exact day and they don't know how they know in how many years. And so it makes people wonder, like, do I change what I'm doing with my life? Do I keep on going? And some people don't even open their box. So it's a string inside. And then scientists create like this predictor Mm. that tells you based on the length of your string, how long you have. So some people are like, I don't want to know. I I don't want to know. I just want to live life. And when it's my time, it's my time. And these stories are woven together there's about eight characters, I think, mm-hmm. that it focuses on and the ways in which the stories weave in and out. I loved that. It reminded me kind of like the TV show A Million Little Things where like it's about a group of friends. But the, yeah, the sci-fi aspect. But it wasn't like dystopian sci-fi. It was just this idea of like, could this happen in a society? There's so many things screaming at me that would make this a great movie. I think it has like that Black Mirror type feel of like it being something that could actually happen in our lifetime. It has the, I think what a great movie does is bring back a question on everybody. And I think the marketing on this movie would be easy of like, well, what would you do Yeah. in this situation? Would you open your box? Would you want to know uh, for you? Would you want to know? Would you open the box? I'd open the box. I think I would too. Okay, good. <laughs> like, I think I, even now somebody said, would you want to know when you're dying? I think I would want to know. Yeah. Am I like wasting my time working eight to five? (laughs) If it's already like set and determined and I could find out, I would want to know. And I think I would change my life accordingly. Agreed. I feel like now sometimes I do things, maybe not every day, maybe not even every week, but knowing that it might not be, I might not have another chance to do this. I think most recently what I've kind of adopted is I try to tell people when I'm thinking about them especially like family. I had a really sad thought the other day. I even made a note of this of like someday I'll go to like text my mom and she won't like respond. She won't like answer the phone. And I think about that of just like, well, sometimes I put off calling her. Sometimes I don't text her. Knowing that I might not always have that chance makes me do it more. So I think along the same lines of the plot of this movie, I would want to know just to make sure I'm doing everything in my life to not have any regrets and know when I should be living life a little more because I don't have as much time left or that I'm good. I can, I have time to do it later, but I think I would want to know. It doesn't really freak me out. I, we're all going to die. Yeah. Like that's just, that's just fact. And we're, we're not like guaranteed. And I also, I think coming from a perspective of, and I've said this on the podcast before I lost my dad when I was two and a half. And so I've always grown up like knowing nothing's guaranteed. Like I've always been very like, tell people you love them all the time. Like if you're thinking about someone, send them a text. She's like, Hey, I was thinking about you. Love Mm -hmm. you. Call your parents, call your family, call your friends. So I've always grown up with that mindset. Um, but yeah. And I think another really interesting aspect of this book was what they started to do in society with the boxes. They started to kind of make these restrictions. Like if you had a short string, you couldn't do this kind of job. Oh yeah. That brings in a whole other. Yeah. It was, point. That was the other interesting. It wasn't just like the heartstrings part, but it was the like, how does, where does, where does it stop with the rules? The so politics involved too. Yes. And that's it, great. there actually is a political figure in it. And that's kind of factored in. So I thought that was really interesting. It reminds me of like how insurance companies won't give some people insurance. If you have a preexisting condition kind of gave me that vibe. So anyways, read this book. I think it's awesome. It's a quick, easy read. The chapters are pretty short, go back and forth between the characters. And I think kind of initially is like over a year. I think Mm -hmm. it's divided into spring, summer, fall, and winter. And everyone gets the box when they're 22. 
Interesting. On your 22nd birthday after this like initial day of everyone getting the boxes. Who could you see in this movie? So I think this would be like a really good opportunity for like an ensemble cast of like. Because it's a lot of a lot of characters intertwined. I'm going to cast Sandra Bullock because I love her. Oh, I like Sandra Bullock. You know what? You know who's been a good trio lately? Sandy B, Brad Pitt, and Channing Tatum. Put them all in here. Bringing back that crew. They are really great together. They are great together. We have seen them in two movies this year. In The Lost City. And another one, which we can't (laughs) say (laughs) because it would be a spoiler. But we've seen them in two movies. Yes, there's been another movie. They were great in The Lost City. I think put all three of them in. And then I'm trying to think, like sprinkle in... You know who hasn't been in anything in a while, to my knowledge? Hmm. Let's put Don Cheadle in it. Don Cheadle is great in an ensemble. And an underrated actor. He's in so many movies. I feel like maybe sometimes if you sat down to make a list of all the movies he's been in, you'd forget. But yes, he is so good in everything that he is in. Yeah, I love Don Cheadle. Let's put him in it. How about, can I throw in Aubrey Plaza? Does she fit anywhere? Yes. I was just thinking, I was like, we need like another, like, Younger female. Put Aubrey Plaza in it. Love it. She's another one I feel like. You love Aubrey Plaza. I I love all of her movies. I feel like she takes on roles that she really cares about, that the story is different, and that she, whenever she promotes a movie, which is weird, she like really, I feel at least like she really believes in it. And that takes a lot from an actor. I feel like some actors just keep working for the sake of, you know, keeping to work because it is hard to keep getting work in Hollywood. But I feel like she's been very selective in the movies she picks. And a lot of them are just things that automatically appeal to me. I really liked her movie Black Bear, which it's kind of like an indie horror type movie, but has a little bit more of a stylistic approach to it. And then I am wanting to go see her new movie, Emily the Criminal. So I think she would be great in this. Yeah. And I have two more. Okay. I'm going to suggest Gemma Chan from Eternals and Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. I think she's wildly talented. She would be excellent in this. And then my wild card, Selena Gomez. Oh, yeah. We were talking about her the other day that I forgot how big of a pop star she was and how famous she was. But we've really been enjoying her in Only Murders in the Building. And the only other movie I can think about that wasn't a great movie, but I liked her in was Spring Breakers with James Franco. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which I think a lot of people hated that movie. But she is a great actress, nonetheless. Listen, Selena's a great actress. Her makeup company's great. Rare Beauty, shout out. She's funny on TikTok. She's funny on TikTok. She talks about mental health. I think she's so well-rounded. Like, she has gone through the waves of, like, child fame and still come out, like, standing. And, like, she has, like, this persona now. Like, she doesn't really care what anybody else says. I want to be best friends with her. Just two gals from Texas. She sounds awesome. All right. What do you have? How many more do you have? You have one my more? last one. All right. What do you have? Okay. This is called The Last Flight by Julie Clark. I also read this one last year, but it stuck with me. It's a great one. Synopsis. Clara Cook has a perfect life. Married to the scion of a political dynasty with a Manhattan townhouse and a staff of 10, her surroundings are elegant. Her days flawlessly choreographed and her future auspicious. But behind closed doors, nothing is quite as it seems. That perfect husband has a temper that burns bright and he's not above using his staff to track Claire's every move. What he doesn't know is that Claire has worked for months on a plan to vanish. A plan that takes her to the airport poised to run from it all. But a chance meeting in the airport bar brings her together with a woman whose circumstances seem equally dire. Together, they make a last minute decision. The two women switch tickets with Claire taking Eva's flight to Oakland and Eva traveling to Puerto Rico as Claire. They believe the swap will give each of them the head start they need to begin again somewhere far away. But when the flight to Puerto Rico crashes, Claire realizes it's no longer a head start, but a new life. Cut off, out of options, with the news of her death about to explode in the media, Claire will assume Eva's identity, and along with it, the secrets Eva fought so hard to keep hidden. Now I remember this one. You tell me about it. All right, let's get into the casting first on this. Who do you think could be the main? Emma Stone. Some of these I'm just picking, like, my favorite people. <laughs> She's so talented. Okay. Emma Stone is phenomenal. La La Land. Crazy Stupid Love. Easy A. I love Emma Stone. She's Spider-Man. got range. Spider-Man. Duh. How am I going to ever get that? I see, like, a Dakota Johnson Kind of in that same. You are so into Dakota Johnson in movies lately. Kind of in that same category of every last movie we've seen her in, I've really enjoyed. We just watched that Apple Plus movie, Cha Cha Real Smooth. Yes. And I feel like a lot of people associate her so much with the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. 
I feel like she has that kind of hanging over her whenever she takes on another role. And it's hard being like a part of a movie that is so defining, kind of like the same way people still associate Robert Pattinson with Twilight. <laughs> and you go down all the book adaptations. But I feel like she is really broke out of that mold in the last five years that she really doesn't get the recognition she deserves. And just by hearing you talk about this book again, I feel like she would be good in that. What about this book made you feel like it would be a good movie? It's such like a interesting story. Like these two women trying to escape their lives. They're going to switch, but then something terrible happens to one of them. And the other is like, oh no, like, is this my fault? Like I was supposed to be on that flight, but like now that she's gone, like I just have a free life. Like we're not even switching lives anymore. I'm just starting over. After you read this book, is there like a jaw drop moment of like, oh, I wasn't expecting that? Yeah. Because I feel like, just from what you've read of the synopsis, I feel, and maybe you can lend a little more light to this, but it seems like an almost easy plug and play. Like I could see somebody just wanting to buy the rights to this movie and all they have to do is take the story as it is and just create adapt it. it, adapt it. Like yeah, that's all you really no, need to like, do. There's no like changes. Like a lot of times in a book, you know, they kind of have to put in like one more like jaw dropping, like mm -hmm. movie type twist. Like I think of the one that comes to mind is My Sister's Keeper by Jodie Picoult, which... um I'm sure a lot of people have seen, but anyways, they like completely switched the ending from the book to the movie. And I didn't necessarily feel like that was, they didn't have to do that, but they did to kind of give it more of like a mm -hmm. <gasps> tight moment. But I don't even think this book needs anything. It well, just, on its, it's own. it sounds cinematic enough that good. all you have to do is like, you can't screw that movie up. And I feel I mean, you could, if you put not the right that's true, people on put it, put the wrong direction. If you on just it. follow the <laughs> book, I think you'll be good. I feel like the sign of a, a good book to movie is not having to change things to make it more like film-esque, but the trouble being what you take out to make it fit into a two hour, two yeah. and a half hour movie. And that sounds like there's already a lot of story there. And based upon what you said, how you felt after you finished the book, uh, I think that was a good one. If you could only have one of these books turned into a movie, <sighs> Which one would you pick? I think I have mine. Okay, well, I'm going to take out Beneath the Scarlet Sky because I'm holding out hope that that one's That one get still made. could happen. I'm going to go The Measure. Dang, that's the one I was going to pick. I'm going to go The Measure. Of all these, I feel like that is what speaks to me plot-wise. And I would love to see that play out and just be able to visualize it all more. But I think that one would make the best one. The Measure or The Push? Oh, I was going to go last flight next. I mean, they're all good. That's why I picked them all. <laughs> yeah. That's why I only picked six out of like the 40 I've read this year and then however many I read last year. So if anybody wants to follow you along on Goodreads, you cool with that? Yeah, we're going to put, I don't remember my username, <laughs> but we have a link and we'll put it in the podcast, in the podcast notes. Yeah. I think my username's honestly just like Kelsey Rodriguez or something, but that's probably a pretty common name. So we'll put the exact link. I think you have to request to follow me, but. I will approve those. So there you go. And next up, we're going to talk about the movie Vengeance. And we'll do that after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 
314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, let's talk about the movie Vengeance, which you said is one of your favorites out of the entire year. I said that immediately upon watching. I don't know if I still stand by that. All right, so we'll play a little bit of the trailer and then come back with our spoiler-free review. I have a story. Okay. I'm in West Texas, where this family just lost their daughter to an opiate overdose. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's okay, it's not someone I was close to. But you flew to Texas for it? Uh, yes, uh, it was a girl I hooked up with a few times. Her family thought that we were more serious than I did. I've heard so much about you. I've, I've heard, yeah. Abilene just didn't die, she was murdered. What? And the two of us, we want to avenge her death. I feel like Vengeance is a hidden gem of a movie. It was one that I was curious about because I like BJ Novak, mostly known from The Office. He also had a small part in Inglorious Bastards, and he was in The Mindy Project, which you love. He was only in a couple episodes. But he was in it. He was in it. I do love The Mindy Project. I love Mindy and BJ. They're great. I know they dated off and on. They're just like BFFs now, but in my heart, like they're in <laughs> But he wrote, directed, and starred in this movie which is about this journalist slash podcaster who goes from New York City to Texas to investigate this death of this woman that he'd really just hooked up with. And her family thinks that they were, he was her boyfriend. And he goes kind of looking for a new story, looking for a new podcast concept, and then decides to turn his investigation of her death into a podcast. So the movie is a bit of a hidden gem and why I think that is because it is a lower budget movie. I think it only has made three million so far, but upon watching it, it felt like a very refreshing movie, even though it doesn't do anything completely crazy. It's also, it's not heartwarming. So like when we say, when we say refreshing, it's not like you're going to leave like, wow, that made me feel so good inside. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's a dark comedy. There is some... Obviously, it's dealing with death, so it's not, like you said, yeah, like a very, oh, it's going to uplift me type movie, but it does such a great job at creating these characters, which in the movie, he is, you know, recording and doing this podcast and trying to find unique characters. That's why he thinks that there's a story there. It's the family of the girl, and they live in a small town in West Texas, which we are both from Texas. And I always take it very personally when a movie portrays Texas because I feel like there are a lot of stereotypes associated with people who live there. But I thought it did a pretty good representation of what like a really small rural town in Texas is like, where, yes, there is a lot of that country aspect to it, but we're not like riding around on horses everywhere, which, you know, sometimes that just gets portrayed in a movie. We do not ride horses. Yeah, but... A lot of what this family does is, I feel, pretty true to a small Texas town, especially their love for Whataburger. <laughs> I think this is the first time I've seen Whataburger in a movie portrayed like this, really ever. It's usually like in the discussion of best burgers, it's like in and out five guys. But in this movie, it really <laughs> explains why people from Texas love Whataburger, which I thought was funny. You're a Whataburger guy, not a Whataburger guy. Yeah, it's what a burger. But you say Whataburger is when you just said it. It's almost like Whataburger. Yeah, that's how I say it. Like you're drinking Whataburger. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I say the same thing, but I'm just pointing out that you're all, you're all, yeah, it's Whataburger. Whataburger. Yeah, Whataburger. I had two favorite things about this movie. Okay. One, the self-aware, self-deprecation cameo from John Mayer is kind of like a womanizer, BJ's friend in New York. It's funny. Like, I thought that was very just like tongue in cheek. Cause that's also kind of like BJ's, I feel like, uh, reputation around like New York and LA. So I thought that was funny. The the beginning, they're just like going through their phones. They're like, Oh, this girl, like, I don't even remember the names, but he's like Stephanie, like yeah. tender, like that sort of thing. I thought that was funny. The second, thank you, BJ Novak for casting the grandma from Friday night lights as the grandma in this movie. She was grandma Saracen. If you watch Friday night lights, you know her. Um, I met her. That's my claim to fame in this movie. So sweet. Met her in Austin at like a TV festival a couple years ago. I thought she was fabulous as a grandma again. She's just like the like quick witted, like sharp, doesn't mince her words. Thought she was so good in this. Thought Dove Cameron was really good as mm -hmm. one of the sisters. Thought it was great. So maybe I do still stand by. I don't know. <laughs> and then you have Ashton Kutcher in this movie. Oh yeah. He hasn't been in anything in a while. And he plays a character that I don't think I've really ever seen him play before. 
plays a record producer and he has like a very kind of cool ominous persona. Yeah, you can't really figure him out throughout the movie. And that's also what this movie did a really good job at as the main character is trying to figure out what happened. You are too. So it's kind of like that murder mystery thriller type. There's some danger here and there. I think why it feels like a even more of a hidden gem movie and one that's maybe, I guess, harder to recommend to people is it's kind of like a slice of life movie mm-hmm. with a little bit more of dark darkness to it. There is murder. There's just like, it's just like this piece of this family dealing with this death and the added element is him trying to make a podcast out of it. But I thought the acting in it was pretty good. And for a lower budget movie and for mostly unknown actors on the family side, I thought that dynamic kind of added a little bit more to it. I think lower budget movies have an advantage in that you don't have to pick A-list actors Mm -hmm. and you end up getting some really fresh talent and you get some people that you wouldn't expect to be so good. Like you don't have to, because it's already a low budget kind of indie you're not looking to sell it. I mean, it had Ashton Kutcher, but you're not looking to sell it by the names on the poster. You're looking to sell it by the story and the way that people portray it. So I thought I thought it gave actors a great chance to be like, oh, wow, these people are really talented. And I think with a movie like this, you have to have a really good story to get it made. It's hard to get any movie made, but for a lower budget movie like this to get picked up and distributed the way it has been, it's something different. So I think that's what I was talking about earlier. That's why I find it refreshing because I didn't really know exactly what we were getting into when we watched this movie. I didn't even watch a trailer. And I like that part of it. Like just going into it, having not the highest expectations, but just knowing you're going to watch something unlike anything you've seen in a while. As long as it's not scary. I'm like, and we don't have any plans for the weekend. I'm like, cool, let's go see a movie. And that was kind of one of the only things out. There you go. So if you had to rate Vengeance what would you give it being one of your favorites so far? 4.25 out of 5 honey butter chicken biscuits from What a Burger. What a Burger. I would what give a burger, just I, like you like it. I would give it 4 out of 5 podcasts. I feel like this movie since it is lower budget, since it has kind of an indie feel to it, I feel like when I rank anything above a 4, it's a life-changing movie and it's also a movie that had maybe It's like Black Panther. Yeah. Like, it's a movie that's going to stick with me for a very long time. That's why I feel this movie kind of hits that threshold of four, which I really enjoyed it. I would really like to see another movie from BJ Novak, but it's not necessarily one I'm going to keep revisiting. All right. Well, thank you for bringing the topic today. You're welcome. I did a lot of prep for this. You crushed it with your list. Anything else you would like to say? Um, everyone feel free to follow me on Goodreads. See what I'm reading. Got a lot of good ones on deck, I think. I hope. Let me know if I should pursue a career as like an audiobook narrator. I don't know. I felt like I did pretty good reading those synopsis. I thought you did too. So kind of reminded me of like when you like had to read aloud in school and you like get that like formal voice. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Must not trip over the words. You crushed it. Thank you. Um, everyone enjoy. Let me know if you read any of those books too. Let me know if I inspire you to start reading. There we go. All right. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome. Goodbye. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. All right, let's talk about Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which is coming out on December 21st, 2022. I think this is going to be one of the most pivotal movies for DC, who is, I don't know, low-key going under a crisis right now after putting an axe to the Batgirl movie. The fate is up in the air for what's going on with The Flash, but they have two movies coming out this year. Before this, we'll get Black Adam with The Rock on October 21st. But I think Shazam 2 has a really good chance to kind of just, I don't know if it's going to reinvent DC or get people excited about him again. I just think it has the chance to be a win for them because I really enjoyed Shazam 1. And I'll talk about more why and why I think this movie is going to be a step in the right direction for them. But before we get into Shazam 2, here's just a little bit of the trailer. I don't deserve these powers, if I'm being honest. Like, what am I even contributing? Ow. There's already a superhero with a red suit with a lightning bolt on it. Aquaman is literally huge and he's so manly. And Batman is so cool. And I'm just me. So you have Zachary Levi back as Shazam. And what I think the first movie got right is it made DC movies like fun again. And I think that's what the problem is with some of the DC movies and why they haven't performed as well. And I feel like this was the most Marvel-like DC movie, which is kind of unfair to compare them. But what Marvel does so well is bringing really bright, fun characters that everybody can enjoy. And I think what DC has been known for and how they kind of feel to me is they're all very moody movies. They're very just dark in the way that they look. They all kind of look like 2000s metal music videos. And some of this could be because of Zack Snyder, but just every DC movie I watch, it has like this grainy green look to it. A lot of just dark feels very dramatic. And the characters are very like almost regal like to make it kind of stiff. And that's why I don't always love everything they put out and why I kind of lean more towards always liking Marvel movies because they are brighter, they are funner, and they don't take themselves as seriously. I think when you boil it down, like that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like the DC movies take themselves very seriously. But when it comes to Shazam, they kind of throw that all out the window, and that's largely due to what the character is. It's this kid who becomes Shazam, and he is essentially this adult-like hero figure but inside he is just a child and in this sequel shazam fury of the gods it will continue the story of this teenager named billy and he still has these superpowers to where every time he says shazam he turns into the superhero alter ego shazam which is just fun in itself and in the first one all of the action is just very fun because it is from the perspective of a teenager and i think it's as close as dc can get to what marvel did with tom holland as spider-man you have this character who is you know just discovering really how to use their powers really how to be a superhero but the added element here is he looks like a full adult man he is zachary levi So unlike Tom Holland playing what is a younger Spider-Man, you have Zachary Levi doing a really good job at portraying what a teenager is like. And then you put him with some other people who also have superpowers. And the first movie had a pretty good villain. I feel like they may be getting a little bit more ambitious in this one by adding some villains to where that is the only thing and the only reason I have a little bit of hesitation after watching this trailer is I wonder if they're like, all right, we had some success with the first one, let's add some more villains. And that is where DC really tends to lose me. I feel like a lot of their villains are, when it comes down to it, kind of boring. I think they have a shot at really having another hit on their hands. 
But I don't know if it's going to be enough to change the perception of DC, which I think is what they're really trying to do. Maybe Black Adam will help coming out just a couple months before this. But I think if nothing else, it'll be a pretty good day at the box office for them and maybe continue at least one of their franchises in the upward direction. But Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods comes out on December 21st which is a pretty ambitious time to put out a movie, so we'll see how that plays out for them. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. But before I hop out of here, I got to give my listener shout out who I give to anyone who sends me a DM, sends me an email at moviemikeD at gmail.com. And this one... I'm actually doing my shout out to somebody I met over the weekend. I did a couple of live events where I met some listeners over the weekend and it was cool getting to meet people who said they listened to the podcast. I haven't done a whole lot of live events since I've started this podcast, so it was cool getting to put faces to some of you who listen. So my listener shout out today is to Higgy, who I met on Saturday night, who said he's a listener of the podcast. Cool getting to meet and talk to you in person. It's always just like interesting to me and it feels weird because I just sit at a microphone and I know you guys exist. I see you online tweeting me, sending me messages. So I know you are real people, but taking that a step further and actually meeting you in real life makes it all just feel like I'm not just speaking into a void or a black hole. So thanks, Higgy. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you saying hello. Hope everybody else has a great rest of your week. And until next time, go out and watch good movies, and I'll talk to you later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need— eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.